welcome back to another episode of the 100k freelancer club podcast we've got nick with us again for uh for the third time and uh you might be wondering you know it looks a bit different maybe sounds a bit different today so we usually do our home studios and interview freelancers from all over the world which makes it a bit easier but uh today because we've got the video man himself nick on we've decided to upgrade uh to a studio here in barcelona uh to see to see how that goes down and to see what the reaction to that is but um yeah how are you doing today nick doing really good then uh it's so good to catch up again even for me this is like it's not really a podcast it's just to catch up and see you and hang out and talk about some cool things today but life is good we're in sunny barcelona I've been working on some really interesting projects this year. It's been a bit of a, a roller coaster for a lot of freelancers with the way the world is and the recession and a lot of kind of AI related topics, which I guess we'll dive into today. But I've been on some very interesting projects lately that are currently under NDA. So once they're out, hopefully the world can see them and I could talk about it. Um, but there's some other bits that have been going on in the freelance life with our community and growing that and seeing a lot of people just come out the other side and have an interesting journey where they're just, they're kind of getting into their own voice and they're finding what kind of work they want to be doing and they're leaning into that. So yeah. it'd be great to dive into that today. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to talk to you today about um, about AI in the video world, AI in the freelance world, and uh, is it here to take all of our jobs and stuff like that. Judgment Day is coming. In. Yeah, exactly. We <laughs> could dive into that uh, just in a moment. I just wanted to say as well, like, I think you're the busiest freelancer that I've <laughs> ever met. Like, You're always extremely busy and you always have the biggest clients, like the biggest and best clients. So, I mean, you're going to have to spill some of those secrets. Well, I guess you so, <laughs> do spill those secrets as well on um, on NK courses as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, what's, like, how do you do that? How are you always working for such big clients is it because like you've got into that circle and now you're in you sort of stay there and that's where you want to be or or mm. what's what's the kind of secret the secret sauce yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good point i think getting into the circles and hanging around with the same or the right-minded people that have those connections and they have that world and they've got that kind of connection to the right kinds of clients if you're going through an agency for example and i've built up a really good relationship with a creative director and their client is like Adidas or Spotify or Samsung, whoever, they've already got that door in there with their client, and I've got a really good relationship with the CD, the creative director or producer. Yeah. So that really helps. And I think, you know, a big part of freelancing as well is you're building a name for yourself, a bit like being typecast. So like you think of like someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger as an actor, he got typecast to play certain kinds of films mm. because they typecast him as the strong Austrian who is serious and he's like, you know, tied into this theme of Judgment Day and Terminator, you yeah. get kind of known to be that go-to guy or girl in the freelance world to go to for these kinds of jobs. So once you do, once you break into those kinds of clients like Adidas, people relate you to, you're the guy to do sports premium brands. Yeah. So that does help. But getting in there is is the tougher part. Yeah, I can, well, obviously I know that is like the most difficult part is always the starting off is the most difficult part in, you know, in regards to pretty much anything, but mm. especially freelancing. But whenever I text you, I'm like, yeah, let's do, let's meet up next week. And you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, you know, I can, I got this project to finish for Apple tomorrow yeah. or like whatever the massive company may be. I don't yeah. want to throw out any secrets there, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, there's loads of stuff that you're always working on, which is super cool. And now... I think that there's been this huge wave of 
AI tools that have come into the market and mm. you being one of the busiest, you know, freelancers ever, are you utilizing it? Is it helping you in your life? Well, firstly, jump in mm. for those that don't know you, what is it you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, the oh. kind of quick elevator background pitch is I'm a post-production artist. So I've been doing this for 15 years. And a post-production artist, essentially what I do is I, I'm a generalist specialist, is how I pitch myself. Nice. So I do a range of skills in post-production, like editing, visual effects, retouch, compositing, and motion graphics. Some of those terms, some people may not know, but I essentially take what's come out the camera, add explosions and effects, add animation in there, sometimes retouch and get rid of things, uh, and color grade, which, you know, anyone who watches a Netflix show or anything in cinema, it goes through that whole process. So that's what I get called in to do. And, you know, big theme of today with AI is, AI is handling some of those aspects of those roles. Sometimes it's supporting what artists like us do, but it's not doing it to the same level as what a senior artist would do, if that makes sense. It's, yeah. at the moment we're seeing the infancy stage, um, but it is slowly progressing to go in that direction where it's kind of taking an expert level artist and trying to fulfill those roles. Yeah. Um, so on one hand I do the post-production side and as you know the other side is teaching freelancers like 100K Freelancer Club do as well to get clients and, and do work that they love and you know to follow their kind of passions and really just live life on their terms as a freelancer you know mm. which is something we're both in agreement with and we know that it makes a better planet that way yeah exactly i mean on that note like you know i've in the mindset of like if i can do it anybody can do it like if our whole group can do it then sort of like anybody can do it i feel like we were just lucky enough to be born into like places and areas and friendship groups where like a really open mindset to like anything is possible and we just go ahead and did it so now we're just on a mission to share that like with the world Mm. Um, but yeah but rolling back to uh, the AI so Mm. just in like in a kind of like short direct question do Mm. you think that AI will be beneficial or detrimental to your career personally as uh, a post-production specialist if you take it in the frame of of how you use it like how you deem AI I see it as a way to support what I do at the moment like, again, we don't know what's going to happen in, I was going to say five or 10 years, but you see ChatGPT updates every kind of month now. So at the moment, I'm using it as a tool to help what I do. So in terms of the business sides, so I kind of like to separate this out as like the creative tools and the business tools. The business side, I'd be curious to hear how you're using it as well. I use a lot of the writing tools like ChatGPT, um, Notion have AI as well built in for writing. And I use something called ClickUp, which is like my go-to productivity tool. I use all those for like ideation, like to generate ideas, to help me refine my email sequences, to come up with ideas of like how to market something and how I can kind of position it differently of like, you know, create a sequence that will engage with my audience and give them the most value. Yeah. I'll use it for like a brainstorming tool, but then I also use it to help me refine my existing edits and my existing writing. So I use it on, on the business side for that, but then there's loads of creative tools. We could dive into loads of those if you want because there's so many emerging and I'm struggling to keep up. I mean, to be honest, there's so many cool tools. I see the the kind of use case for it and it's so exciting and it's like 
I don't know about you, but I have to have that discipline and say, hold on, I need to focus on what I'm doing. Oh, 100%. I see a new TikTok video or reel every single day with a new piece of technology, a new opportunity, a new software, whatever that I want to use. And there's like, okay, now I've got a list of like 100 things that I have to try. And it's that I feel like I am losing my focus a little bit. Maybe I'm getting distracted by like all these these tools, whereas Mm. I'm not like you know, nailed down focus on one thing, achieving one objective, because all of this amazing new technology is coming up. It's so, you know, fancy and exciting and you just want to try it. You want to seize these opportunities while they're coming up where I feel like I've lost a little bit of direction in the past. But I mean, Mm. for me, in terms of like a business sense and in regard to the freelance world, here's where I think AI at the moment is detrimental to people and freelancers is that I in my businesses have already started replacing the lower sort of like entry level freelancers with AI. So for example, one of the things that we used to do is for content. So for, you know, even for something like this podcast Mm. before I would go to freelance marketplaces like Fiverr or Upwork and where it was sort of like an entry level skill would be to look through a piece of content, either of my own or a client's content and just pick out 30 second clips for Instagram, cut them into size and then do that. So you would be paying, you know, 15, 20 dollars an hour, a lower amount for somebody to come in and do this. Um, But now with AI, it's a $20 a month subscription to like all these different services that do these specific things. And they do them, I would say to 80, 75, 80% of the quality of what that freelancer could do. Mm. Now on the flip side Mm. of this is that, okay, a, people can do this like a lot faster. So for you know business owners and freelancers that are taking on like a lot of tasks, it's gonna help them improve their efficiency. Yeah. But see, also in that specific scenario, now I feel like, okay, the entry level market is being sort of damaged. So it is harder to get experience. It is harder to get those first couple of gigs in certain fields where AI is really prominent and effective. But what is happening is I feel like that mid to higher level of freelancer where you have like a more refined level of skill is becoming much more valuable. So now instead of paying like $30, $40 an hour for somebody to solve like this specific problem that AI can't solve, Mm. I'm finding that I'm having to pay a lot more because I think this sort of freelancer is much higher in demand. And often this level of freelancer is utilizing AI as well. So I think it's massively important to utilize AI Mm. in your work, no matter what field it is, like lean into it, don't be scared of it. Um, Use an example of Chris, who was on um, like two episodes ago, we were talking with Chris. Chris is a UX designer, relatively new to the UX industry. He's been there about two years. So um, he has spent a lot of time learning the software, a lot of time getting to grips with everything that there is in that industry. And now AI's come along and is offering quick solutions to what took him like two years to learn. So I feel like- So what kind of roles would they be that AI kind of jumps in and replaces or helps out to such an extent where it can replace a junior or it's something where you would go down the AI route of doing? Like in the UI or design world, what's like a use case that you've used AI for for that? Well, so for in the in the UI specifically, I think it's about speed. 
um, of of production and inspiration. So, for example, when a UX designer, when you hire a UX designer, you're obviously hiring them from the time that they're working on it, and they're not just going to go, okay, design this website, and that's going to be instantly pen to paper like designing. Um, but with AI, you sort of cut down that sort of imagination and creativity process yeah. because, you know, they can think and they can brainstorm a few ideas for a minute, plug that into the AI tools and the AI spits out that idea. Now, as it is today, like, I don't think there is any AI tool that you could put um, a prompt into and it would produce a fantastic website that would have a high conversion rate. It would be just oh, ready instantly. off the no, bat. No, that's like, where like wouldn't. the artistry so, comes in and the creativity. And exactly. So that's is that's this is what I was saying to Chris. Is like that's where you need to be. Is like you're on that yeah. level where like you can utilize AI to you know get you producing work faster, mm. so you can earn more on a project basis, um, and then also use it to enhance and reiterate and stuff like that but 100%. Um, I'll, I'll throw a question I feel like I've been talking for ages no, no, I'm actually throw, learning <laughs> about the UI side and, the, and how yeah, so AI plays I, I'll throw a question your way now sure. it's like how do you think like what do you think the state of AI at the moment in the video production world is do you see it replacing people like are you are your peers being replaced by some AI or are you replacing people with AI are you replacing certain aspects of your work Mm. with AI? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen anyone outright being replaced by AI, but I, I've seen roles that they, where people are using AI to support what they do. And in the best case scenario from that is that if AI takes over a lowercase role, and I'll give you an example in a sec of, well, I'll give you a real example. Like I've, I was working on um, an obvious immersive experience um, exhibition in Saudi Arabia not too long ago. Oh, can I say who that was for? Yeah. Which eyes? That was for Elvis Presley. It was for Elvis right? Presley, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, that, so, for, so that exhibition, for example, I used AI or AI tools to help me focus on the creativity side because it was a really big deliverable. It was like a 30-minute concert. It was loads of shots. It was loads of design work um, and editing that animation. But I used tools like there was one that, um, <laughs> without getting too much into the technical side of it, it essentially scanned an image and created what's called a depth map. So that shows you kind of like the lighting level, the luminosity to create, say, for example, perceived distance. Okay. So I had a job to make 2D photos into 3D. Have you ever seen those cool kind of parallaxing effects where it's yeah, like a 2D photo? Yeah. So with that, I used this tool to scan the image and find what's the background and what's the foreground and Elvis and people in the front and kind of create this fake depth of field. It's like a blurred background with oh, awesome. people in focus. Yeah, I could have rotoscoped that, like cut it out manually. That would have taken ages. I could have just used like other techniques to separate those backgrounds and front, uh, foreground, but that would have taken ages. So I spent more time on the creative side and changing the angles and other pieces of the work and getting AI to do the heavy lifting of what people regard as tedious tasks, right? And I think like you were saying as well before, Jacob, of UI or UX or copywriting or maybe the ideation stage, you want to use AI to help do the heavy lifting of tasks that, one, you're not that good at or you don't have expertise in, or two, are things that you don't enjoy that much and this could kind of be automated or you could be more efficient. Yeah. So for video, to your question, I've, I haven't seen it replace anyone yet but I'm seeing artists now incorporate it into their workflow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, 
I, th- I think if you don't start using it and get used to it, I think yeah. you could fall behind um, on the curve because now everybody that I hire for like small projects, mm. I encourage them to use AI. So even okay. if it's a copywriter who could literally just use a prompt to produce it, you know, I encourage them to actually use it because it's, it's their mind, their creativity and the enhancement of the AI, whether that can help them produce it faster, whether that can help them produce it better. Like, For sure. I mean, you, you were know. saying before the podcast, before we were rolling, it was, you know, clips, uh, companies like Opus Clips and I think Video, they take long form content and we could even test it as this as a case study for this podcast. Yeah. They take the long form content, cut it down into YouTube, TikTok, IG shorts, and then they will just rate it based on the performance of SEO and how good the script is and how likely that is to resonate with people. Yeah. Generate captions on top, auto frame it to put it into different ratios, one by one, nine by 16, 69. It's doing so much of that kind of what people consider junior video editing work, but it's added to a marketing element there. Yeah, exactly. So th- those tools are really powerful. And you, I kind of feel like even if you're a copywriter or marketer, using those tools to support what you do with your expertise and your personality and all your creativity, I think that's the most powerful combination Yeah, when exactly. you combine the two together. Yeah, I think freelancers or everybody actually kind of, they if, if you're a specialist in a field, they get annoyed and angry at AI because mm. they may have spent 10 years perfecting and learning how to use this specific software or how to do this specific thing. And AI comes along and kind of blows that out of the water. So, you know, people are catching up with their almost skill level really quickly because AI is there. So, for example, like, mm. is it Adobe Firefly? Firefly, yeah, new... I've been using that. Have lot. you? Oh, yeah. it's actually out. I didn't realize it was out at the moment. I've just seen loads of videos. So, so Firefly for video is coming, but the beta uh, for Adobe Firefly for images is out. And uh, I was playing with the Photoshop one yesterday, the, the uh, I think it's called uh, Con- Generative Content Aware Fill. Okay. So, we, so I, was, I uploaded a photo of my niece and I essentially just painted out the top of her head and put a crown there, like princess crown. Oh, it, nice. It spat out four examples of different crowns to pick from. Then I replaced their teeth with something else, painted out the background. It gave me like this kind of, I think I put a Super Mario level background. <laughs> and it could essentially just, it, it just does a lot of heavy lifting and also creativity that would take someone a long time to to get into if they didn't have the skill set. Yeah. But if you do have the skills, what Adobe are doing is really interesting because they're incorporating it with their software. So yeah. right now it's a web-based platform. Your nan could go on, type in a prompt, and generate like a Disney-style character animation, ah, right? That's awesome, yeah. Or an image for the animation. Yeah. But now they're incorporating these tools for the software. So that's where I feel quite optimistic about that because you have your expertise of like a video editor or graphic designer, and you're using these tools to help with that. Yeah. So you might have seen, Jacob, on, on the design side, you, Adobe Firefly, you could actually generate vectors. So oh, this nice. is what's crazy, because if you've ever used Stable Diffusion or Midjourney, it spits out an image. You can't really tweak it much once it's done that. Yeah. But with a vector, you can change all the pixels and refine a logo for a client, and then add, bring that into Illustrator and start refining it. So it gives you that jump head start like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So you can get like a couple of concepts for a client, say five AI generated concepts, give them to them, they pick two, and then you yourself enhance them in Illustrator. 
100%. So, yeah, that isn't, like, yeah, that's an awesome use case. <laughs> and I, I, I think then what AI is doing is, like, it's opening the world up. Now there's, like, mm. this freedom of, like, creativity. You don't need these really hard-to-learn skills in specific software yeah. to be able to produce what you're thinking of. I think that's what held me back in the past years ago when I was trying to get into video content is, that, mm. like, you know, I was in a different field, but I did like creating videos and, you know, creating content. But it's just I didn't have the skills to make the video look how I saw it in my head. Like, yeah. I had this imagination of what I wanted it to do. And the skill level that I had in those software, I just couldn't produce it. So, therefore, I didn't pursue it anymore. So, it's but, bridging the gap in that yeah, sense. Like, you exactly. had the imagination and the creative direction side. But to actually make that a reality, you needed some kind of tool or there was a learning curve there. There was there was an obstacle of skill, education, experience. Yeah. And that's been reduced now. And like we were saying before, it's like the democratization, the democratization of the video industry and creativity, where it's it's making it more accessible in a positive sense. If you're in a developing country, you have tools at your disposal that are free and accessible right away. Yeah. And you're competing with like Hollywood studios sometimes. Exactly. And that's pretty incredible and that's uplifting for anyone in that situation listening. Exactly. There's not this massive barrier to entry anymore. Exactly. It's like I think like a couple of years ago, maybe, you know, when we were starting out, Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop was so expensive. There wasn't oh, a creative yeah. cloud back then. No, like, no. It was like almost like a thousand pounds just yeah. for like Illustrator. So it's like as a student, you could not yeah. jump in and start messing around with Illustrator because it was I, so damn expensive. I'm proud to say in when I was 16, my oldest brother got me that this really thick flash book. This is like my kind of entry level into like creativity. It was all about learning action scripts. So this was like back when it was called by owned by Macromedia. It wasn't even Adobe. Oh. It was Macromedia Flash, and I I didn't have I couldn't afford Flash. I was like 16 years old. It's like living yeah. on pocket money. So I had to use the 14 day trial of a lot of software like After Effects and Premiere, and try and just hard like learn it in that time. Yeah. And sometimes like re-download it again under a different email. And just yeah, keep extending it. <laughs> we were always like trying to hack the free trials. Like yeah. you could go into the code of the program and just change the free trial oh, wow. like number. So like and there's the you birth of your coding the free trial uh, forever. But yeah, that was like these massive barriers to entry. Now yeah. with like most of the AI tools are free. I don't yeah. think they will stay like that forever because no. I think it's this like testing stage they need to generate an audience they need to see if it's like a viable product yeah this, that and the other but there is that you know at the moment so people can take advantage of that and i do encourage everybody to take advantage this of that it. but even so like nowadays adobe like if, if you're a student the creative cloud is like 22 pounds a month in england like for a mm. student and you get everything on yeah. that yeah. so i mean that like like i said that the barrier but the barrier to entry in terms of like money yeah. is extremely low to get into and start competing in in these industries which is why now more than ever it's so easy to be a freelancer because oh, like the running cost is so low you've got such little overheads and like one up from adobe is is uh if you've heard of davinci resolve which is a color grading software which is now branched onto editing and visual effects and that's used by industry standard like hollywood studios right the software like this studio, right? Exactly. We're actually using DaVinci now like, on, to like, cut this live. That's the first time I heard it today. Oh, really? There you go. <laughs> I mean, this, just to tell you, Jacob, like maybe 15, 20 years ago, when, when that came about, 
that software only worked with the hardware. Like these big, imagine these massive mixing desks like in an audio studio. Yeah. That was from thirty to $150,000. Oh, wow. Just to get that. How much is the software now? I'm guessing like $100 a month or something. The, the, the basic version, which has tons of features, is free. Oh, damn. <laughs> and it, it literally does almost everything as the premium one, but just like kind of yeah. all the bells and whistles. But that, like you just said, Jacob, the fact that you've got this accessibility to like having an internet connection. I mean, we bang about this all the time about you just need software like that, some skill set, a niche, some kind of passion you're interested in, some kind of demand in the market and a can-do attitude. And you can literally yeah. just you can make a career out of that yeah. with such little overheads anywhere in the world. Yeah, I, and I think people like us and just freelancers in general and curious people, I think they're the reason why these prices have gone down because there's so much demand nowadays to be yeah. able to use these products yeah. as an individual. Like before, I would imagine that you'd have to get a role in a Hollywood production company to be able to even be exposed to that sort of software. Absolutely, yeah. And now there's all this competition popping up. Like I know like... You know, the startup culture is a lot better than what it was before. So there's a lot of competition popping up, but there's also mm. a ton of demand. So the prices have really come down for these types of software to enable freelancers, mm. self-employed people, small business owners to be able to even, you know, have a seat at the table and compete in these markets. Well, to play devil's advocate on that, in terms of the, the topic of AI as well and democratization, democratization, the flip side is because there's higher demand, higher supply, but more tools that can do that with less skills, that could also, and I've seen it, work in the opposite way of pricing, where because these tools and clients are aware of these tools existing, like AI tools, that is then driving the price of budgets lower because they say, oh, well, a copywriter, I could just get ChatGPT to do that. Yeah. So like you kind of alluded to earlier, the beginning, early entry stages, I think are gonna get affected harder with that, and we're seeing some of it now. But the encouraging side of that is that you could learn quicker, get better at your craft, put in your personality, put in your creativity, and again, really find your specialism, like find your niche within that, and you could hone in your craft quicker to get to those higher levels. Yeah, or just pivot. Like, and, and that's another thing. Think of the new opportunities that are around now. One that, you know, I, I bet there's going to be degrees soon around AI communication. So how to communicate yeah. with AI models. Yeah. There's, I bet within the next, you know, two years, there's going to be agencies and freelancers popping up around AI implementation in businesses. I've seen it already. Like I was I thinking about doing that with Havana Designs. It's just implementing like one new service which is AI implementation in your business. Like we take a look at the business, how can this be improved by AI and we implement that for That's you. That's a solid idea. And then yeah, because there's like it's new, it's fresh, there's a lot of de like there's a lot of demand for it. Clients already ask us all the time. It's like, oh, how can we, you know, can we get AI to do this? Can we get AI to do that? And you could set them up with that and just get kind of make them a custom workflow for like the right tools and plug them all in together. Yeah, exactly. That's a great idea. Yeah, and the thing is like I don't even think you would need to know that much about AI to be able to implement AI because you can yeah. ask AI how to <laughs> the, do it. The irony, the full circle of like, you don't know how to do something, then ChatGPT or Bard or something will just help you out. Yeah, exactly. I've met a couple of developers recently, new developers, mm. that have told me, I won't say any names, but they've sure. said like, I couldn't do this job without AI. So there's people that have got into the development game recently in the last year or so. Really that, that new? That have decent jobs or are a high paid freelancer 
because of their quick adoption to AI. Wow. And it's how it's like basically excelled. But that is, I think code is like coding is one of the fields which has been mm. advanced the most by AI. Like you can benefit the most from the like the current tools yeah. that are out there. Um, it's a lot on your, I mean, in terms of your, your field that you're working in, the ones that have been hit the hardest are also the ones that have probably incorporated it the most. So like, you know, copywriting and coding are heavily used by AI, right? Yeah. But like you just said before, if you pivot or incorporate that and adapt that into like, where's the market going? Like, what's my client's needs now? Like, where are they actually gravitating towards? You can start to actually use that as a massive advantage rather than something that's taking your job. Yeah, exactly. Like, I always come from the stance of like, here's this thing that's happened in the world. How can we maximize this? How can we revolutionize this and, and incorporate it in our life rather than just a negative thing and saying, you know, I'm not going to get into that. It's like the dot-com era, like with the internet. People were like, oh, don't want to get into this. Have an email. That's crazy. People, yeah. people messaging me through my emails. And you have to, you know, I saw someone on LinkedIn and he was like, adapt or die. He was the kind of like, <laughs> he was like, when he said that, I was, it kind of made me think that you do have to kind of be aware that there is some kind of adoption phase. Yeah. There's resistance in the beginning. There's some kind of, hysteria sometimes and then it goes into adoption and incorporating it into our life yeah exactly and it's the same with like a smartphone like yeah. imagine life now without this phone in your pocket yeah, it would be so difficult sometimes so I think <laughs> it would be so much better but I, I think know. Like, <laughs> it would be so difficult yeah, yeah. on a human like, level it might be better but exactly it, everything would just be a lot more challenging like even finding the sure. studio today would have been such hard work like yeah. if I had to get out a map and like look where to go and like the streets and stuff so yeah but the tech it's just yeah we we need it and i feel like ai like you know even in phones i think siri will become maybe and even the next iphone like siri will become yeah. this incredible ai bot that you can just speak right? to even like a friend maybe yeah. you know that film is it her or something like that with oh um, yeah um the the guy that plays the joker and he falls yes, in love w with AI. phoenix and um and scarlett johansson yeah i yeah, can yeah. see that happening in the next like year or two if they <laughs> yeah. introduce this like with voice like a voice model. Well, that came out recently. There was an article a few weeks ago about an AI girlfriend who was a, an, a TikTok influencer. And for, I think, the space of a day or two days, she clocked up, you know, several thousand pounds oh, wow. or euros. Yeah. Um, and she just turned herself, she trained an AI assistant with her personality and her uh, voice. And again, there's AI tools that do that. They could take your voice. Yeah, you I've, can, I've seen that, like the... the the OnlyFans kind of model where they fake like these like they ge AI generate images of like God. women and stuff like that and then they move it over to like basically everything's fake and they get people to pay wow. for like this stuff but with the voice generation stuff I've got a test for Niall so Niall oh, obviously the co-host of the podcast that's yeah. not here today the next podcast we do with Niall <laughs> I'm going to replace him? I'm going to do a test of Poor five Niall. things which is going to be did you say this or is this AI? And it's going to be like five clips oh. and a couple of them are going to be AI generated and a couple of them are going to be That would be, be a good like, Instagram poll, wouldn't it? Like try and guess which one is Niall and not. Yeah, exactly. But Niall said some ridiculous stuff in his life. And okay. Obviously, I've known him for a long time as a friend as okay. well. So I'm going to catch him out with some like crazy stuff and be like, okay, which one, which one did you actually say? Which one didn't you say? And even questioning him who's actually said that. That's even yeah, funnier. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's... That's actually one advantage of um, a tool like that. I was thinking of trying to use it for my own tutorials because, you know, if you're filming eight hours a day doing content for your course, if you scripted that out 
and you fed in your audio voice, like you have a data set, you train this model like um, on 11labs.com, that's probably the most realistic one where you could train it using your voice, like audio clips, use a script, and that could th essentially do a voiceover for you. Yeah. And then the editing process is so easy, you just have kind of cutaways yeah. of what you're talking about. Yeah, That's a exactly. massive time saver. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, and you can do that as well. For imagine that you know, I I see a lot of businesses that are based off of like a personal brand, and then when that brand gets big enough, yeah, the guy who is like like Gary Vee, for example, yeah. like he is sort of like the face of his brand. Eventually, he's not going to have like enough time. Yeah. Um, so he can just say to you know his video editors and the people that create the content for him, just say like, okay, use. AI to do it and then they just have like the rights the license because they're mm. working for him to mm. create Gary V content without Gary V and I think we'll start to see that a lot in the next couple of years because imagine mm. okay like we're trying to grow our Instagram our TikTok our YouTube and you know I'm busy with a lot of stuff so filming does take a lot of time but if I could just hire a freelancer yeah. to make videos of me making content and I'm not even there making the content but it's indistinguishable like, why wouldn't mm. you do that? You can I, be a two yeah. places at once kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's probably the quickest way to clone yourself, isn't it? It's yeah, just, exactly. Again, if there's no distinguishment, distinguishable factor between the content quality of using AI and you, that's where I'm kind of for it. I'm like, because yeah. for me, the benefit of AI and, and the whole point of, I think the positive side of it is to free up artists to focus on the creative tasks and doing again what they love yeah. because the world is a better place when people do what they love and enjoy yeah so if ai can reduce redundant tedious tasks in the world that's great yeah if it is replacing jobs and it's something that someone genuinely loves doing that's a bit of a sad thing so yeah it exactly. is a it is a bit of a finite balance but if we could eliminate tasks that we don't enjoy and it gives us more time and resources to put more energy and love into what we do I think that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that comes down to a massive thing, which is opportunity cost. Yeah, of course. So I think right now, the current state of AI and the tools available, you have to look at it in terms of like opportunity cost because AI at the moment isn't fantastic. It, it couldn't produce this podcast like it couldn't produce this exact podcast with the things we say or with the with errors with real, the, the with human inhuman uh, perfections like you know you just have to make mistakes and have if something's too clean cut I think that's also for me it's off-putting yeah you have this term called the uncanny uncanny valley which is when something looks not quite human and you know when something's a little bit off like you're watching a film and, I've seen that yeah. yeah so that's where like if you have like a robot that looks like a robot yeah where it's like just like a tin man like yeah. just completely metal and it's programmed it smile like now and like it's just programmed for expressions and reacts like this and yeah and like where where like if it it's made to look unrealistic like yeah. it's like like the iron giant for example that doesn't look freaky mm. but then like the facebook robot where they tried <laughs> to make it look like a woman but it looks like 80% human yeah like but something in your brain and there's something telling you like, this is scary like this is weird so <laughs> I think yeah AI is kind of in that state at the moment with like content creation and stuff like that but I feel I feel like the opportunity cost is like I'll use mm. a specific example of like our stuff so in the last week two weeks or about two weeks now we've been producing content every day on TikTok yeah. Instagram YouTube stuff um, just to try out and see how that goes but that takes a tremendous amount of time like honestly it takes hours mm. every single day 
And then if you apply that to, okay, like the hourly rate that you work for, maybe I can generate, you know, 100 to $200 per hour. So if you look at, you know, three hours worth of work, that could be, you know, $300 worth of time mm. on something that is not generating money right now. It is not generating, you know, too much success right now. It's more of like mm. a long-term project. So AI can produce that kind of content for me, not for me, but speed up the process. So that mm. is opus.pro or the yeah, that opus, opus.pro yeah. or, or whatever it's called. We used this mm. um, the other week and basically you can put like long form content in there. So like a 40 minute YouTube video of a podcast and it rapidly cuts it up. It shows you potential reels um, already made that you just have to click download and yeah. it gives you like a score and everything of how viral it is. it also captions it, it subtitles it. It does everything that we already do, but just does it instantly. Hmm. Now, I personally don't think that the stuff it gives you is amazing. I think it, cause it kind of cuts stuff. I made an Instagram story the other day, hmm. like, um, on a hundred K about like the errors it makes. So it was like, there's right. a podcast <laughs> between me and Niall. Yeah. And like, I think it wants to, in a podcast, it wants to show two faces to show there is a podcast. Oh. So it would just cut to me randomly like staring into space <laughs> when like Niall's talking and stuff like again, that. Again, so human like, decisions like that, you need an editor. Exactly. And, and that's, again, that's why it goes into, when you go into more senior level roles or like feature films, for example, you normally have more specialisms because yeah. if you have a senior editor who has experience with storytelling, they might cut to you in that sense if it's got a purpose or intention. Yeah. But the AI will just never distinguish that. It will just be like, cut to this person because it hasn't shown this clip in a while. Yeah. Or this angle. Exactly, exactly. So what is producing, like what the AI producing isn't perfect. It's like maybe like 65, 70% of like mm. what I could personally create. Mm. But by taking that 65% content and posting it, I've saved three hours worth of my time. So mm. at this point in time, it's beneficial for me to do that. Yes, I'm not producing mm. the absolute best content possible, but I'm also saving time uh, to be able to put that elsewhere. Of course. And so it's kind of that like opportunity cost. Like, do I take the reduced quality in this um, to be able to put more of my time and effort onto something else, which may be, you know, more rewarding? It's that kind of Pareto's principle kind of 80-20 rule, isn't it? Of like kind of putting 20% effort for 80% of the results. Yeah. And that kind of makes sense. Like if you if that takes you over the line to get the content out there, you know, done is better than perfection. Yeah, So oh, if you can just get it out there, get feedback on that, refine it over time, that's something's better than saying, oh, I need three weeks to like go and produce that video. Yeah. You might miss the boat. No, it might, it exactly, might <laughs> exactly. Uh, I feel like that, that's happened to me loads of times yeah. in my life. Um, loads of times. Yeah. But now I feel like, like when I made that decision, I'm going to make content every single day. And that went so well for us. Oh, amazing. But some of the stuff tanked. It right. did, like some of the videos went horribly, like one or two views, you know, and it was oh, just terrible. Right. Kind of embarrassing, you know. Why do you think but, that is though? Well, this is like the point I wanted to make about this is that like I've learned from it. Mm. So like we posted that I was able to look uh, the analytics of the the videos that performed well mm. versus the videos that didn't perform. And I've like, even though I'm not an expert in the field at organic 
growth or organic social growth, even just in this past two weeks, I've learned an absolute mountain of stuff from my own personal experiences. Mm. Like we were talking about before, I'm pretty sure mm. that TikTok gives you 200 views for free. It pushes every video to like 200 views. And within that 200 views, if you pass a certain like amount on the retention curve, so if you maintain an average of more than like seven seconds retention, it will push that to more people. And then as it pushes that to more mm. people, if you get like a views to like ratio above a certain thing, it goes for it. So then you can look at the videos that have done well. Okay, this one got like, you know, average retention of like 15 seconds. Why? Mm. What did I do at the start? How are we hooking people? Why are they staying on? Mm. Why didn't this happen in the other video? Why did they drop off? And like, just by doing that, even producing this non-perfect stuff. Yeah, it's was, giving you that information, that, that chance to analyze those analytics. Yeah, exactly. Like if you didn't do anything, you wouldn't have anything to analyze. So now you're way further ahead now because you've gone for that experimentation phase. Yeah. And now it's moved you forward to like refine the content. No, exactly. I've just had an idea right now as well. Go I'm for it. Do <laughs> after, after I leave um, the studio here. Accountability is, partner. Yeah. I'll make sure you do it. <laughs> is, um, um, so you know the captions app. So you asked me yeah. before, like, how am I doing the captions? Yeah, for amazing. The thing? I've never seen something so accurate in my life. Is okay. that you put the video into this captions app and it puts the captions in like second by second and it's always like 99.99% correct. Wow. Like all of all of the time. It, it's crazy good. Hmm. But the idea that I just had was right. So like I'm analyzing myself. Why isn't this content working? Why is that content working? Like, and I'm trying to do like everything myself. But yeah. I can just... With this captions app, it gives you the transcripts of the video. <gasps> I, know, I yeah. can get all of the transcripts of the video, put them into chat GDP, yeah. and um, basically say, okay, this video got this result, this script got this result, this script got this result. Why do you think this is? Analyze the difference in the scripts and I see. I mean, that's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. So then. I'm gonna get the perspective of AI, which is like really logical, uh, you know, versus my creative brain. Mm. And I can use those two things together to come up with a better reason as to why these videos are performing, why these videos yeah. aren't, and use that. And you can also, you know, it saves the chats, right? So you can keep that in there yeah. and say, okay, based off of this information, I'm now creating a TikTok reel for uh, a TikTok video for, you know, invoicing clients. Here's the script that I've written what based off of this what would you this? suggest to improve it to increase the retention rate so the video That's goes viral brilliant. And, and because it's connected to the internet now I wonder if ChatGPT now and, and ChatGPT 5 coming out soon if it actually knows the algorithm and it knows oh, how it be works so good. because then it could tie in like you said the logical side yeah. and then try and come up with a script for that then add our creativity human side to then refine it and make it something that will connect with people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, it, it's, I think as soon as this is properly connected to the internet, that for this kind of stuff is yeah. going to go crazy. Because now when you ask it, like, about TikTok videos, it says, my internet was cut off on 2021 yeah. September, whatever. So up to this point, I can tell you that you need to use three hashtags on TikTok or whatever. So mm. it's pretty limited. And the way that the algorithms change basically month to month, like, yeah. it it just can't compete with like humans at the moment because you've got that up-to-date information if you're like um, like a content advisor or whatever. So you've got that edge at the moment, but I think mm. as soon as it's get 
got up-to-date information like that's when it's really that's where it would be a powerful combination right yeah exactly exactly i can't wait to do that i love that idea i'm I'm gonna borrow that yeah (laughs) and all the listeners yeah exactly exactly i think you can just you know i've probably said this a million times before now but like using it for inspiration in ideas brainstorming yeah the ideation phase is massive because it just it's a good way to get people going because i mean we spoke about this before like kind of outside the podcast but motivation and procrastination I think a lot of people kind of get into the procrastination mode because something's hard or something's exactly. an obstacle of like, how do I get started? Yeah. And to get that momentum, sometimes you just need a brainstorming session. Oh, definitely. And I love using ChatGPT to like just knock out ideas. It's like working with another person. Yeah. And, and, and what I use it for as well is, you know, I might say I need an idea for a video for, you know, this topic. Mm. But it spits out an idea that is terrible <laughs> and I know it would never work or go viral but mm. the thing is it's a starting point for me and once I've got that starting point I'm gone See, otherwise yeah. getting to that starting point I might procrastinate for hours and hours and hours but once mm. I've got that starting point I'm on the way so even if it gives me a terrible idea push. it's like do you ever have conversations with people about your work that uh, they don't know anything about like the field that you're in for sure, yeah. but they're just randomly chatting to you and they're trying to help and give out ideas and like 99% of them are terrible ideas but then they give that one that's like kind of okay you grab it as a starting point and then you're off that's what I feel like AI is at the moment yeah it's just like you say it's just that way to encourage you and just spit out a brainstorming session and you just run with that idea and it's just a it's like a soundboard it's like even if you speak to your partner about an idea or a family member like you're saying that will just give you some kind of thought process that's different to it's the one that you're stuck internally. Yeah, exactly. Because in your head, you, you could have those conversations, but if you haven't got someone to challenge you or bounce feedback off, it can be hard to kind of progress that idea forward. Yeah, because you might get tunnel vision just stuck in the same Yeah, the just same going for the same feedback loop over and over. Yeah, exactly. Oh, one of the things, this might be a bit random, but one of the, <laughs> like, how fast the industry is changing yeah. um, at the moment is we were building a course on 100K for no-code web development because no-code web development is one of the easiest skills to learn with like the most highest paying rewards. Cool. So like that ratio is like perfect for beginner freelancers. But we're mid through that, and then we just completely changed it because now it's AI web. So you've no, had to no pivot code yourself. AI web development. Yeah. So we've had to pivot that in because now this new opportunity has come in. It's like mm. they, you're not. You know, you can produce way better results way faster and get more money by using AI to build sites for your clients okay. than just building it yourself with like the no code tools and like the drop and drag builders and stuff like that. So I feel like, I mean, yeah, have you got an example mm. of that? Like, is there anything happening in your industry where you feel like, okay, I'm working on this yeah. or I'm working with this client and then I've had to scrap the production that I'm doing in Adobe or whatever? Because now this new AI tool is going to allow me to do that six times faster. <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, it, for me, it's more changing techniques. So tasks I used to do manually now can be automated through AI or do, like I say, like 90% of the heavy lifting, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's some crazy things coming out. I mean, like you said alone, the whole Adobe Sensei, which is their AI and Adobe Firefly, like that whole captioning feature where they can now transcribe an entire podcast, for example, you could tie that into another plugin like Autopod, like we were talking about earlier, to multicam cut that automatically based on who's talking. Uh, if I was to do that per angle, that would take me, you know, hours. Yeah. So you can chuck it into 
you know, a tool like that. I could use another tool I use called like Time Bolt to take out all the pauses in between that podcast and make it really tight, automatically cut the angles, automatically generate the captions and subtitles. And then I could use like the auto reframe and position that into different ratios, like, you know, yeah. for social media. So again, things like that, some people see that as tedious tasks that have less creativity, like subtitling. Let's be honest, it, it's not too much of a craft. It's something that's more of a lower skilled or regarded as a lower skilled yeah, exactly. job. But the higher tier stuff, I've seen some crazy things recently. Like, I don't know if you've heard of one called Wonder Dynamics, where I'll hopefully explain this in a way people can visualize unless we cut something in for the video podcast. But it essentially can take your movement, Jacob. You could be dancing with a friend or just moving, right? You'll take your motion capture from that. If you've seen like an Avengers film, right? Like behind the scenes. Yeah. And you see like Spider-Man in like a ridiculous outfit, yeah, right? The black suit with the white bubbles. The little white that. bubbles, yeah, like Tom yeah. Holland's jumping around. Yeah. It can take all that movement from just normal footage of you, no suit. It can replace you for an AI character. So you'll put in like an alien and rig it all up and animate it, the speech and everything all synced. Mm. It will replace the background behind you because if you imagine to take out that character, you have to like cut them out, right? Yeah, exactly. So this will replace them, composite them in, as in match them to the shot and animate it all in seconds. Yeah. So this is massively, it's kind of like avatar level VFX in a web browser. Yeah. But this is mind-blowing that we are in this generation now. Yeah. Like, it's an exciting time, and I understand why some people are scared when they see this. But if we embrace it and, and help it to make us more creative and focus on the storytelling or compelling ideas, I see it as a good thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just helping you, I guess we're almost at a point then when you could create a film like The Avengers in your bedroom. And yeah. there's got to be people <laughs> around the world that are absolute geniuses, uh, you know, film creation, or like they could ha they have the best idea for a film, but if it wasn't for this, they would never have the opportunity to go to Hollywood, pitch the film, create the film, anything. Exactly. But now, maybe not right now, but in like a couple of years, they could be able to produce these super high quality films just from, you know, their bedroom, the street, wherever. That's that's a beautiful thing. Like you say, some people that may not have all the skill sets, but they've got the intention and the idea and the dream. Yeah. Then that's going to be amazing. It's going to open up so many doors. And, you know, I guess for us as an audience member, it's going to, we have to filter out the quality content. Yeah, Because exactly. you don't want an influx of noise. No, exactly. One thing I've worried about is getting more into the content game at the moment mm. is that, okay, we're making a lot of content. We, we want this to be like a big traffic source for us in the future. But obviously there's a lot of competition around just from other humans at the moment in terms of content. Like think of mm. how many TikTok videos and Instagram reels are made every single it's a noisy day. World, Millions, right? exactly. Yeah. But then add AI onto that. Like what if there's just an absolute wave of indistinguishable videos that now there's just a hundred million videos a day instead of a million videos a day because there's mm. so many AI bots creating content and they know exactly what people want to see because they can analyze the data in <laughs> 0.1 seconds where it takes mm. me a week to analyze the data. I, I've been thinking about this, Jacob, and I think we'll also go full circle where we're going to get good at spotting what is AI content, even yeah. if it's what the AI thinks we like. We're going to get good at spotting the content that we've seen over and over and is becoming redundant. And we're going to look back at creativity and a human touch. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, when I see like mid-journey um, creations, like 3D creations, in the beginning, I was like, 
this is amazing. Like yeah. they've done a Disney style character animation or like a manga style um, image in what is in supposedly seconds. But like that kind of wore off for me. I'm not impressed by it now. Whenever I see an AI generated image, I'm like, you know it instantly, don't you? He takes out the craftsmanship. And, yeah. and when you know someone's been there painting like and putting their blood, sweat and tears into like this paintbrush and their skill and like 50 years experience. I don't know. I feel like that has way more value. Oh, so I think we're going to go full circle in that sense, and and same with the content. Yeah, and as well, I don't know if AI will be able to produce original ideas on. Well, no, because the data set trained on yeah, previous exactly. artists, so they'll so be it able. Can't. They'll be able to take like AI will be able to take components of successful videos and mash them together. So there's six parts of you know six different successful mm. videos in there, but it probably won't ever be able to come to a stage where it's producing its own ideas. Like, where do ideas yeah. even come from, like, as humans? I know, like, you're sat you could in the shower argue. and an idea comes to you, it comes from nowhere. I like, know, we, in some ways we are a form of AI that we're, like, assimilating information since we were a child, right? Yeah. And if we have a favorite artist or content creator or, or multiple, you're taking ideas from each of those and mashing them in together to express yourself, right? Yeah. But with that, you've got so many more variables that AI doesn't have of like our individual experiences and like you growing up and having experiences you've had you can incorporate that into your work and like your personality your interests like you might want to mix golf and web design and marketing with coding and all your interests you have right love it there you go <laughs> good <laughs> AI bot Sign me up, yeah. <laughs> chat GBT make me a golfing AI marketer yeah so you, you, the idea is you want to kind of add in your personality into that and my advice for you know, anyone listening who wants to stand out from using these tools and AI, you know, with the potential of AI supposedly replacing them, is you have to kind of learn to find out what is the work that you love doing, what makes your style and your your creativity unique, what are your interests, what are your passions, what problem are you solving, what do you like genuinely care about that you want to fix in the world, and incorporating that with your art, and that's going to be something that is going to create in my opinion, unique art. Yeah. You know, AI is there just to, it's a prompt machine. Yeah. It doesn't know what it's saying. That's yeah. the key thing to distinguish. It's a, it's a, it's a data set, it's a, it's a model that's trained on information that doesn't distinguish this is good or bad. It could use kind of algorithms and data to say yeah, this is high performing. It's like a catalyst for human intelligence and creation, right? Like yeah, that's you can use it to en enhance your skills. You go from so eventually you'll just be able to. This is what I heard people in the startup world worrying about in developers is that eventually mm. you'll just be able to think an application into existence. You'll just be able to say, "I want a date and app for dogs on iPhone." Bam! Instantly, it is there. Wow, you don't know? steal that idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, I guess with Neuralink, like Elon Musk's kind of side projects. I mean, that thinking ideas and linking that to your brain and hooking that to chat GBT, that would be pretty nuts. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I can see we're running out of time here. So I want to just end on on one question. Sure. That for a post-production freelancer getting into the game today, how would you recommend they start utilizing AI? To utilize AI, I mean, I would always go back to basics. I'd actually find out first, like look inside, like what is the kind of work you want to be doing like what are the kinds of genres or styles of work or art and clients that you want to be attracting and then thinking about what ai tools will support you in learning that skill quicker 
if you're starting out. So do your research, look inwards, find out what it is uh, that is your passion in life and try to marry that with a demand in the world mm. in terms of like being successful and having a viable business model. Um, and there's just tons of tools out there. Speak to other freelancers, connect on LinkedIn or social, ask other people what tools they're using and just experiment. Like for me, it's just a playground. I see it as like there's loads of toys to play with in the post-production world. And it's an exciting time and I think it advances us quicker, but definitely always tie that into what is it you want to be doing? Like what is your passion? Yeah, exactly. Well, love it. And um, yeah, well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolute pleasure. It's been great to share this experience uh, with you for the first time in your studio. Absolutely. You've got to make it a common habit. We'll definitely be back here. Exactly, exactly. I'm sure we'll see you again on the podcast sometime soon. I love that. But uh, if you want to check out NK Courses and you want to check out your content, where can we go to find it? Yeah. uh, So you can check out nkcourses.co.uk. That's where we, we have our course Freelance Mastery and we have a growing community where we help freelancers find paying work and and doing work that they love and we have got a really cool uh, few features coming out this year that I'm excited about to help pair freelancers to their dream clients and you can check us out on social media and I'm Nick Kiarchides if you can spell that maybe look in the show notes for my surname I'm very active on LinkedIn I post twice a day and I'm engaging with content uh, all, all the comments and I DM probably in the thousands of people now with free advice so I'm always here to help and uh, yeah, feel free to reach out to me. That, yeah, awesome, awesome. Thanks one last time for coming on and uh, thanks everybody for listening. Remember to hit that subscribe button and uh, yeah, we'd love it if you could share the podcast as well. But, um, but yeah, um, I'll say one last thank you from uh, everybody and we'll catch you in the next episode uh, of the podcast. Mm-hmm.